And welcome, folks, to another edition of Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I am Chris Peterson, one half of your hosting team. Thrilled that you're joining us this week. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What up, people around the internet? What up? I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about cool ass shit on the radio <laughs> or the internet. Where, cool, where are we? I don't cool ass stuff. You don't even know. Yeah. Just, just cool things. I love it. I love it. Cool. Uh, I got well, good things that you don't even know about. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, folks, if this is your first time listening to us, what we like to do on this podcast is basically bring some interesting things that we've seen, listened to, watched, uh, tasted. I mean, all the ways you can yeah. consume entertainment. Uh, ben and I do it, and we basically bring stuff to the table on this podcast. But I have no idea what Ben has on his mind, and he's got no idea what I've gotten written down on my little sheet uh, here as well. So everything that you're hearing is spontaneous. Nothing's preplanned. It's all genuine conversations. You're just basically hanging out with us for about an hour, uh, which is always a good time. But um, good times. Exactly. Ben, kick us off, my man. What do you got for us this week? All right. First of all, you know, I, I feel like I've been tearing off some new releases and we got to like put up the spoiler alert. I'm not going to do that this week. I'm going to let oh, people okay. chill out nice. and just kind of breathe, have their, take their time, go to the movies or whatever you got to do. And I want to talk about podcasts. We're actually going to talk about podcasts on the podcast, bro. Whoa. So, um, you like know, a dream I, within a dream. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like the third inception dream where things are like, <laughs> they seem like they're normal, but it's like taking like four days to get done with, um, <laughs> <laughs> you followed that logic. Congratulations. Uh, so <laughs> I want to talk about uh, true crime podcasts. You know, I'm a big fan of those. And that was a big kind of like genre thriller a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ran to a couple. Katie's sister actually introduced me to uh, Datelines podcast. Oh, yeah. Which is great. It's about mm-hmm. I think it's once a weeker. Uh, that one's good. I've been listening to that for about a month now. Just awesome content. And, you know, you can't beat it. The are, those just episodes, are those just episodes of Dateline that they put on like a podcast form? Uh, kind of. Well, th- I think they add a little more so you can kind of uh, visualize it better when you're okay. listening to it. Got yeah, Because yeah. I, lis- I listened to like the first like couple episodes and it sounded like I was just listening to an episode of Deadline, which is, by the way, fine for me because it's it's audio based anyway. Right. Um, so it's perfect for that. But yeah, OK, that's good to know. But um, so I've listened to that one for a couple of weeks and like about a month and that one's great. Um, of course, I can't fall asleep during it <laughs> because you'll wake up. And it's like they found her head in the field. I'm like, all right, listen, it's like two in the morning. I'm freaking out. I'm like, ah. Um, so it's a little much. It's good for long drives. Like if it, like you're driving, you know, from here to Connecticut, it's good. Probably not at night, but it's good <laughs> to like drive. Um, but I want to talk about a new podcast I stumbled upon. Um, the first 48. Now, Chris, you familiar with the TV show, The First 48? Yes, I am. Great show. All right. Yeah, great show. I I believe this is only on I found it on Spotify. It's probably Spotify and iTunes. Um First 48, just like the show, it's CBS Radio um uh, Productions. And these guys, Chris, you know how you're just saying, like, is it dateline? Is it just audio from the show? This is made for your ears. This has interviews, this has everything. I thought that this um podcast was just amazing like the last two on this podcast were so amazing i just got to talk about them specifically hold on let me pull it up i just want to get the names right Forty-eight. 
Oh, now I can't find it. Oh, oh, it's it's just called Forty Eight Hours. Okay, cool. Yep. All right, Forty Eight Hours by C- CBS News Radio. And so there's a couple on here. The Murdoch Mysteries. Have you ever oh. heard of that? No. Okay, the Murdoff Mysteries is about um, this well-to-do family in South Carolina. And all of these murders start happening and, and it's accidental deaths. And they're all kind of connected to one family. Really weird. Um, then they had um, the Station Nightclub Fire. Now, Chris, do you remember that Great White played a, a nightclub in yep. Rhode Island and like 100 people died in like 20 yep. seconds? Um that one was kind of a hard listen, but it was kind of fascinating. It's kind of like one of those things that are so horrific. We kind of don't talk about them, but then they kind of get into what happened that night, you know, because there's been plenty of nightclub fires and they mm-hmm. kind of just talk about like, why did this fire hurt so many people? Like, wh- like literally Chris, like within 40 seconds, if you weren't out of that building, you were dead. Wow. That's how, wow. It, yeah, dude. I mean, so like, I don't know. You got to listen. I don't want to spoil anything, but you got to listen to it. That was really good. But the one I want to talk about, the one that piqued my attention and I've been talking to people about was they did a throwback episode. And now you're like, Ben, how do you do a throwback episode on a true crime podcast? They did Lizzie Borden took an axe. That's the name of the podcast. Um, And they had real criminal investigators, like real Emmys, medical investigators, um, re-examine all the evidence from the case from 1892. Then they had a fresh jury of people um vote guilty or not guilty with the evidence that's presented and you'll be kind of shocked at what happened it's pretty cool nice so chris chris i mean you've been doing a lot of traveling a lot of driving you've stumbled Mm -hmm. upon any new podcasts that you want to kind of shout out on the pod (laughs) um yeah some of them are um family friendly Mm. um others are not and i'll get into that but um one is called aaron Mankey's cabinet of curiosities and this is a great podcast if if you've ever listened to lore uh the phenomenal podcast so same guy uh but he does these like short kind of almost like short story vignettes he only does like two per episode so it's the the entire episode is like maybe 10 15 minutes so perfect but he does like these cool peculiar Stories like things that you would probably find in like Ripley's Believe It or Not and stuff like that that are like, oh, holy shit, that's kind of cool or stuff like like so it's it's like either random facts or or folk tales that you or urban legends or um, mysterious disappearances and things like that. So it's a it's a really great podcast. So it's called Aaron Mankey's uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. I listen to it. There's like 400 episodes or something like that, but you blow through them really really quickly so it's that's a really good one um another one um that i i listened to um we've talked about a number of times already but the rewatchables on the podcast um they just did their third episode of on heat um yeah which is one of my favorite movies of all time you you just read my mind i don't know how you did this i (laughs) thought this was now chris we always talk about this podcast i thought this was next level they actually had michael mann on michael mann who you could tell they did some editing because he he went off on some tangents to this podcast, but like that guy can talk. But yeah. um, oh my god, like and and he was dropping bombs in this episode that like that the host Bill Simmons and, and Chris Ryan had like no idea. They were like, "What? Yeah. Like that? That's how that happened? That's how you film this? And that's how you cast this person? I mean, like so much." And this and, and actually that episode 
really proved how much misinformation there is out there about this movie. Because you know, when they went to the casting, what ifs, they're like, "Was yeah. this true?" And he's like, "No, that wasn't true." No, that's like, not true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. And it was just, it was a great podcast. Let's do the only other director that there's, there's a very short list of directors that I could listen to on a podcast talk about like one movie and not like roll my eyes at their pretentiousness about it. Michael Mann's one of them and William Freakin is the other. Like oh, I could well, listen to William Freakin. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could listen like, to that. He's not pretentious. About... He's literally crazy. He's He'll... literally crazy. Yeah. He might fire a gun at you while you're recording the <laughs> podcast. So, um, but no, no, it's, it's uh, Chris, great. I totally believed. And I, I totally agree. Like a thousand percent. And because this guy, Michael Mann, you got a, a, a sense. He, he doesn't care about awards. He doesn't care about, he just, he has a really a real love for the content that he made, especially about criminals and criminality. And you got a sense that this movie was they said 15 years in the making. But, man, this movie, it sounded like it was like 20 something years in the making. Yeah. Like and then he was dropping knowledge like they didn't even acknowledge that. Did you listen to the part when he was like um, one of his consultants when he did that prison movie was Eddie Bunker? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know who that is? I, I I don't know who it is, but I remember the, what you were, when he said it. Yeah. Eddie Bunker is Mr. Blue. Whoa. From Reservoir Dogs. One of the guys that you don't see after the first scene again. Yeah. Remember, he's like, he's an old man smoking a the cigar. Smoking, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, uh, and the only reference they have is uh, Big Joe. What happened to Mr. Blue? He's like, Dennis Dillinger. Like, that's it. He's already dead. We don't even know how he died, but. Um, that guy was a real bank robber and he's like, I know this because I had the old school, uh, reservoir dogs, um, DVD and he goes around, he's a consultant. So he consults all these music movie people. Cause he actually did all this stuff. It's pretty wild. I loved, I loved when he said like when they were making thief, uh, there were no props in that movie because all the stuff that James Collin was using was the guy's actual equipment to, that he used to like break into saves that he so, can actually do it. Like everyone that, that could do, do Anything in their movies actually has to learn how to do it. But, yeah, I mean, and of course, folks, the lesson in all this is go go watch Heat. It's on Amazon Prime right now. It's free to watch on mm. Amazon Prime. It's it's one of the best movies. It's one of the most underrated movies um, in the past 30, 35 years, however old that movie is. Um, it's it's a flawless film. Like I I just watched it. Like it's funny. I didn't even know they were doing the third re reheat yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. I just rewatched it last week because I was just like, I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood for De Niro and Pacino in their prime. So let's, let's go. And you just forget how just freaking good that movie is from start to finish. So um, that's, that was a great podcast. And then finally, uh, Ben, another podcast yeah. uh, I'm going to suggest to you, and this is one is not for the kiddies. Uh, so for right. kids, uh, you know, turn on the volume for a couple of minutes. Um, there's a great podcast out there. It's called Holly Randall, Holly Randall unfiltered. And Holly Randall is the daughter of um, famous photographer, Suze Randall. Now Suze Randall was a uh, adult film photographer. So if you, you know, if you are familiar with box covers and of the eighties and nineties, um, oh, oh, photographer Randall, for the covers. Yeah. So Suze Randall basically shot everything. So like any box cover you saw of any adult film, the eighties and nineties, probably early two thousand, that was done by Suze Randall. And this is her daughter, who is now kind of taken over the family business and she's now a director and photographer in, in the adult film world. And she does this great podcast called Holly Randall on Facebook where she interviews um, adult film stars uh, and other, and other like sex therapists and, and, you know, things like that 
um, like, you know, uh, doctors, you know, uh, that are, you know, uh, medical doctors in terms of, in the field of, of sexual therapy and things like that. So it's, it's a really interesting podcast because it's like, she's a very good interviewer and she does basically what Howard Stern does with celebrities, but she does it with adult film stars. So you oh. get these, so you, you know, you think that you're getting these like really like, you know, raunchy, like explicit, like flighty, you know, however people, the stigmas of how people think sex workers are actually like, but she actually really breaks through that. And they actually have a, a substantial substantive interview. And it's fascinating because a, it breaks down the stigmas of what people think sex work is all about. Number two, um, it's entertaining. You hear like the, when she asks, like, "Tell me some horror stories that you've had on sets." You wouldn't believe one of the things that um, you know when you when you talk about you know mishaps and things that happen on on mm. regular movies. Just imagine what happens on an adult film. So um, you you get some really cool stories on that. But she interviews like you know, legends from back in the seventies and eighties that you have. Yeah. I just saw Amber Lynn right here. Uh, there you go. That's, yeah. a, that's a great, like, that's a great episode because like Holly Randall maybe says three words in the entire podcast. Cause, cause Amber Lynn just goes off and just, <gasps> talk, and it's like, Oh my God. <laughs> she just oh, this is cool. I definitely just followed this. This is amazing, dude. Yeah. And it's not, again, it's, it's one of those podcasts where it's like a lot of people might tune in thinking like, Oh, it's going to be like dirty talk and all that. No, no, it's, it's, you're listening to like a Howard Stern-esque type of interview. So like, do they talk about like how they make the movies? Like, they get into, Yeah, they get into like how they made the movies, how they get started, what they really feel about, you know, being in the industry. Like she talks to people oh. that got out of the industry and. Oh, Ginger and, Lynn. Oh, shit. Ginger Lynn. Um, like, I think she's talked to like, yeah, she's talked to everybody. Like, it's Oh, this just, is wild. This yeah. is wild, dude. All right. So great I podcast. Oh my yeah. God. Great, great suggestion. Yeah. I just thought, you know, I was like. I was going through the content for tonight and I was like, you know what? I just, you know, been listening to a ton of podcasts. Chris, you got to check out that Lizzie Borden one on that 48 yeah. hours. That is so phenomenal. I, I just, that one is kind of like a true crime. Like, cause like you were saying, Chris, I think um, you can listen to um, cold case files, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You can listen to that one on podcast and it's okay, but it's just audio from the TV. And so sometimes on that show, it's like, you know, Dr. Lee, takes his luminol and sprays it on the blood. And it's like, you kind of want to see the blood splatter. You know what I mean? You kind of want to see what right. we're looking at. Like right. this one is just interviews and goes through and like that murder mysteries. Like, you know, sometimes in this true crime stuff, it's like this happened in 1978. That one, like the guy that they're talking about is in jail and he just got put in jail like October 18th of 2021. I'm like, whoa, what the hell? And he's like, yeah, the trial is still going on. I'm like, whoa, this thing's like current. So they'll do current stuff too, which is really cool. Wow. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Well, actually, what's interesting is that my <clears throat> first topic was also going to be about a podcast. So uh -huh. I guess we'll just keep talking about podcasts then. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. But um, last week, um, again, Bill Simmons, just killing mm -hmm. the podcast this week, um, had Tom Hanks on his podcast. I Simmons also listened to this too, sir. Also listen to so this. So glad you listened to this because I want to I want to get into this with you. Yeah. So um obviously, like, you know, it's Tom Hanks. Like, you know, the guy's awesome. And right. of course, I'm gonna He's listen. I, I I I really do worship the man because I just respect his career so much. But um and he's a great interview, which is another great, like, you know, obviously, like he's done some great stuff on late night and you know, it's oh, SNL. Saturday Night Live, SNL. Yeah, exactly. So, but he was a great interview, and um, I really liked his interview with Simmons because we got to hear some nuggets and uh, some things that we've never really heard from him before. One of which was when Simmons really pressed him on 
what his favorite like movie making experiences were like what yeah. were his top three because he came up with a he, he basically said something which i'm going to talk about in just a second where it's like you could ask 10 people what their top three tom hanks movies are and you're not going to get a same answer from any of them right. and i started thinking about it, i was like yeah that's yeah that makes sense um and uh so simmons presses hanks on what his top three are and hanks bases is off of his his experience making the movie like the most fun he had making the movie yeah and he had some really interesting choices really so, interesting choices <laughs> so his number one wasn't so surprising it was it was league of their own and well for well first of all there was a there was a um like what do you call it? Like a like a kind of precursor to this. And they said, uh, uh, Forrest Gump is off the table. You can't say Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, you can't right. say Forrest can't Gump. Say, exactly. with, excluding Forrest Gump, what's your top three? That's what he yeah. said. Yeah. That's a good Thank you. Um, and he said, leave it alone because he spent all summer just playing baseball and hanging out in you know Midwest America with his and kids. And his kids, his kids were there and like, yeah, just, just awesome. playing baseball all. <laughs> it's like, that's awesome. That was awesome. I, I can't remember what the second one was. Um, uh castaway oh castaway because it's like yeah because again castaway and you think about like the making of that movie and the, the the hell he put his body through but he talks about like getting up in the morning and like Ugh. rowing out to the island and i was like good Boy, Lord, this, and this jumping off the boat and swimming to the island <laughs> right and i'm like this guy's thinking on a whole different level about what's like amazing about that um and then his last one, which was the wild card, which I was like, what? Yeah, um, we got to talk said, about this. <laughs> she said Cloud Atlas, which is, I love Tom Hanks. I do <laughs> love Tom Hanks. But he has made, he's made 98 amazing movies and he's yeah. made five clunkers. I don't know the exact, Cloud Atlas is one of the clunkers. I think and, he's made like two clunkers. I mean, I, I can't even like... <laughs> There's not even one close to as bad as Cloud Atlas. Like Cloud I've seen, Atlas is bad. There was one called like He Comes at Night or something, and it was like this some shitty horror movie from like 1979, and Tom Hanks is in five minutes of it. That movie's better than Cloud Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> like Cloud Atlas is the movie that basically told me the Wachowski should never be given money ever again, and then mm -hmm. people kept giving them money. Um, like it is a bad movie, but he talks about make like how making that movie him and his family basically like vacationed in europe for like you know the better part of a year and how amazing that was and like i was like so the quality of the film the quality the end result the dialogue that he was saying in the movie like you know in the before four times like choo -choo -choo, i was like it's it's an awful freaking movie well it's it's the uh it's the adam sandler uh Adam Sandler kind of uh, equation. Yeah, like, yeah. Where it's like, you know what? We don't really have a script, but we bought we book flights for me and Jennifer Aniston to go down to Jamaica. So let's make the movie. <laughs> like it's kind of, right. She agreed. She's bringing her family, bringing ours. Let's just see what happens. Drew Barrymore might be there. Let's just see what happens. Kevin James. Don't know, yeah, come exactly. on over. Let's say, don't, don't know what the movie's at, <laughs> but you know, Kevin James and Chris Rock and David Spade are going. We're all, we're all going to Hawaii yeah. for the summer, so let's just make a movie while yeah, we're there. We're, we're making a movie. I mean, it's it kind of makes sense. It's genius. It's a genius move. I mean, that's when that's when you know you've got juice is when like you can just like make a movie and call it a vacation for yourself. But um, 
but it was a great podcast. Like I, I was literally smiling from start to finish because I just loved listening to yeah. Tom Hanks. He just uh, seems like stories. a fucking awesome, nice guy too. He just seems exactly. So nice. I love, I love when he talks about direct. He doesn't just talk about directors. He like impersonates directors yeah. when he like, tells <laughs> stories about them. It's phenomenal. Like, and he does a. I mean, I love it when he, he does a Bob Zemeckis or a Ron Howard. Yeah. Um, it's it's great. So yeah, if you love Tom Hanks. Um, it's a great episode, Bill Simmons podcast. Um, it's like, I think it's almost like an hour and a half long. It's a long yeah, one. It's a long um, one. I don't think I finished it, but I caught, I mean, hour 15 or something like that. Yeah, no, it it's, really it's great. It's great. And I, you know, on a side note, I love how he just goes after him about Turner and Hooch and all these other things. So it's, it's just great to, to hear those types of interviews where you really, you know, there's no rush, there's no fluff. It's really digging into the guy's career. Um, and, and Hank's, you know, he's one of those actors, and I Ben, I think Ben, you would agree with this. You know, we don't know, we don't think of Hanks as being this like serious method, technique yeah, type right. of actor, but he talks about his technique and his and his craft in this podcast in a way that I've never heard him talk about it before. And I'm like, wow, okay, so now I get a little bit of insight into to who this guy is and and how he kind of looks at a role and stuff like that. So it was like. Wow. Okay. Now, I, now I need to really go back and look at some of his work. Yeah. Um, because well, it's, it's well, Chris, Chris, let's not move on. Let's not move on at all. Well, stay, stay. Go ahead. Well, so Forrest Gump off the table. Oh, What's geez. your top top three Tom Hanks? <laughs> oh, I knew you were gonna go here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all um, right. I'll give you a couple seconds. All right. So for me, let me just go on a little bit so you can start preparing for your top yeah, three. Because go ahead. Uh, I was just preparing a little. Uh, so for me, there are there's a couple phases of Tom Hanks. Okay, mm-hmm. you have early '80s to late '80s Tom Hanks, where he's like a comedic actor and in some HBO movies. He's in the movie Splash. You know what I mean? He's a young guy, right. like mid twenties Hanks. Then you get like famous working with Ron Howard Hanks in the '90s. Mm-hmm. Then you have, you know, he's getting a little older, but then he starts doing some kind of pretty awesome work Hanks where like middle-aged Hanks, but ugh, you can't discredit some of those movies. Cause you have some of the biggest movies he's ever made in those. You have catch right. me if you can, you have fucking uh, angels and demons or uh, the Da Vinci code. You got all those, but I mean, you have some of the biggest movies like ever made in the history of film in those. So Chris, let's start with our number threes. All right, let's go. All right. So I will, I will say, yeah. Oh God. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm literally scrolling his IMDb, <laughs> and it's like you're 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 kidding me. All right, number three. Yeah, I'm gonna say Captain Phillips. Really? Yeah, Captain Phillips. Not on my top three. Not on my top three. A, it's a great movie. It's a great B, flick. Great yes. flick. For me, it's the last 15 minutes of the movie. It's yeah. You know, we talk about the great acting moments that he's had, like Saving Private Ryan and Forrest Gump and all these things. If you watch what he does, if you watch what Tom Hanks does in the last 15 minutes of Captain Phillips, he's never done that in his career before. Yeah. And it is so deeply disturbing um, that it is like you sit back and you're like, how in the world was this guy not even cons- like nominated for an Oscar that year? He wasn't even nominated. Well, even uh, Bill Simmons said it. It's kind of like Jordan in the MVP or LeBron with the MVP. We got to give it to someone else, right? Right. <laughs> like, and I, and I, this good, like consistently over and over again. Exactly. Like, yeah. 
there's nothing in Captain Phillips that is a Tom Hanks cliche. You know, right. like um, so that's 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 like that's that's my number three. How about you? My number three for me is when Tom Hanks made the transition from funny Hanks, like going from movies like The Man with One Red Shoe, Volunteers, and The Money Pit. This movie really kind of turned the page and opened the door to bigger pictures like Forrest Gump, and that movie is big. Yeah, I think you know you're working with one of the premier directors. You, it's a funny movie, but it's a heartfelt movie. I remember when that movie came out, everyone loved that movie. Mm-hmm. That was on the constant rewatch on HBO. My mom loved that movie. I loved that movie. Just everyone loved. Teachers loved that movie. Students loved that movie. And you know, I was like nine when the thing came out. But I remember how huge that movie was. And I think that was the moment that Tom Hanks kind of flipped. It was like, oh wait, this guy can do more than just be a goof. Even though he's able to be goofy in it, like it was to me that was the transition to okay, this guy is able to take direction, do some wild stuff, and then like he's. You know, he can touch the heartstrings, which he does at the end of the movie, which is really cool. So that's my number three, Chris. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on Big? It's it's up there. I mean, yeah. it's it's definitely top five for me. It makes I love it's one of those movies that I saw very early in my life. I saw it on the Disney Channel, like Sunday night, come watch Big. Um yeah. it's you know, it for me, it's like it, it's one of those movies in my life that really romanticized New York City. Yes, and, it's a good um, New York City movie. Yeah. Great New York City movie. Love the cast. Oh, I mean, yeah. look, here's the thing. Robert Loggia has had, had an amazing film career. Every time I see him, he's the guy from Big. Like, he's the right. he's the boss from Big. Um, well, Or the bad guy from Over the Top, of course. Or the bad guy. I was going to say, or the bad guy from Over the Top. I mean, that might be the same <laughs> year. <laughs> what, a, what a year. Um, <laughs> what a year for Loggia. What, what a Loggia year. That's, that's my favorite Loggia year. I'm just going my down on the limb. Loja Hot year. takes. My favorite um, Elizabeth Perkins is smoky hot in that movie, and she's super eighties hot. Super eighties. There's hot. a couple women that are just like perfect. You know, they kind of like some. She's got the frizz going on in the hair, mm-hmm. and then I like, uh, you know, for me, the dad from Home Alone was always the yeah. jerk from Big too. He was yep. phenomenal. They, I love that phenomenal. actor. He's so great. John Hurd. Rest John Hurd. It's great. It's so we lost great. him. We lost him last year. So, so oh, that's sad. right. I remember we talked about yeah. him on the podcast. Oh Very man. Sad. Um. But then also it maybe it it convinced me that jobs like what he had like that toy tester job I was like I want that job like I give want me that, that job. job hang so, out with Kevin Meany and just to- <laughs> and just <laughs> test toys all the time like Amazing. give me that job so it's a yeah. building what's fun about a building what's fun about a building <laughs> and he basically creates transformers which you know whatever but you know it can be <laughs> bugs and you know it's like. <laughs> I, I love there's a guy in that scene where he's he's like you'd think that Tom Hanks just reinvented the wheel because he says yeah. a line like so the bug becomes the robot. And it's like he said like, it's his one line in the movie and he knows it's, it's his moment. I'm pretty sure that's that's that. Kevin Meany. That's the comedian Kevin, Kevin Meany. Meany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the so the robot becomes the bug. Oh. <laughs> pretty soon. Um, great. Yeah, right. no, I love that movie. What's your right. what's your number two? Number two, you you just you mentioned it in your little rundown. Uh, I gotta go. I gotta go with the money pit. Oh, I was so close. I was so close, Chris. It was so. So you all right? Thoughts on the money pit? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. First of all, 
I don't care what I don't care if it's at the very beginning of the movie, halfway through I don't whatever minute interval, if I see it, I'm watching the whole freaking thing. Like it's <laughs> it's a movie that it kills me because there it's it I don't think Hanks has been ever has ever been funnier probably not than no. in that movie. No. Um there are things that he does that I I thought were funny when I was a kid. Yeah. Like the here's a, here's a good example. I I remember this cuz I haven't rewatched that. I haven't rewatched it in like I'm going to say 20 years at this point. Oh my god. So the first time I saw it I was like maybe 8 or 9 years old we were at my friend Michelle Petriella's house. We watched it in her in, in uh, her upstairs like TV room and the second that the the bathtub falls through the floor and Tom Hanks starts <laughs> laughing at it, I thought that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Michelle and I childhood friends I saw her in Atlanta a couple years ago, we had dinner with her with our families. Yeah. We talked about how hard we laughed at that moment and how it still makes us laugh when we see it now. There's another scene where he like, you know, when the when the construction workers are on the house and he stumbles and causes this calamity oh. to take. It's the funniest the bees. Sequence. Like he's like in the bees and so. Oh my <laughs> god, it's so great! <laughs> like he has never been funnier. No. Before since that movie. Shelley Long is incredible in that movie as well. The bad guy from Die Hard's in it too. Um it's... You know what? You know what? <laughs> I feel like uh Kirstie Alley would have been funnier though. I'm just gonna put that <laughs> <laughs> Get out of definitely, here. definitely market corrected. corrected. <laughs> Shelley Long um, market corrected Shelley Long. This is how much this is <laughs> this is how much I love the money pit. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out to my my good friend Luke, yeah. who does community theater here in Connecticut told me luke lynch told yeah. me he is an extra in that movie and if Shut you look the very, fuck up and i i i told i was like he's like i appear on camera i was like no you don't he's like yeah it's a scene when shelly long gets up in the morning and she goes to the medicine yeah. cabinet and opens it up and the guy's yeah. like standing right there he's he's working literally right behind the guy no way and everything so i like i like gave him so many questions about this i was doing a play with him at the time so I came to the next rehearsal. I was like, Luke, you were in the money pit. So I asked him so many questions. He's like, ah, Chris, I was there for like six hours. It was like, I never met Tom Hanks. <laughs> Where did they never. film it? Was it in Connecticut or New York? No, it was in you know, Westchester, New York. So, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. It looks like it. All right, cool. Yeah. So just awesome, awesome movie start to finish. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. So I might, have to, I might have to watch it tonight because after this because it's that good. How about your number two? All right. I just flip flopped in my head, but uh, I'm gonna go Road to Perdition. Ooh, nice. Uh, Tom Hanks. You know, there's a couple things in that movie. Tom Hanks, very serious movie. It's not the most rewatchable movie because it's kind of a downer kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but very intense, very dramatic movie. No funny parts. Tom Hanks plays a fucking badass in it, and you don't really get to see that. Um, that much where just Tom, you're, he's like an imposing guy and I believe him and he's, but he's, he's, he's also a father in the movie. I, I don't know. It's got a lot going on. Very dramatic movie. I I think when I saw that movie the first time I was blown away. And I think that's probably the closest we get to like a one man show with Hanks mm -hmm. as far as a movie where it's just him and the kid on the run. And I don't know, there's just great scenes in that movie. So that's my number two. It's a great father son movie. Yeah. It's a it's a great last film for for Paul Newman yep. and um, also I mean you know before we kind of knew who Daniel Craig was you know mm -hmm. it's like it's like oh get a get a solid 
um, you know, performance from him. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. That's, that's, a, that's a yeah, good one. That's my solid two. All right. Number one. Oh, number geez. one. Let's see if we got the same one. What do you got? What do you got? It's, it's such a coin flip. All right. I'm going to give you my number one, but then I'm going to tell you what my, my one, a one. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, it's not your number two. <laughs> it's not my number two. It's like, Oh my God. Uh, it's, it's like, like alternate. It's like alternate. It's like multiverse. Number one. Like sliding um, doors. Yeah. <laughs> sliding doors. All right. <clears throat> number one, I'm going with catch me if you can. Okay. Okay. I thought of that. I thought of that. And um, the reason why. What do you got? It's, Let's hear it. It's, it's the Kobe LeBron finals. We never got. Yeah. You're watching Hanks. This is like, and this is 2002. So he has just done road to perdition. Castaway was two years before that green mile. He's about to do like, he's going to do his dark period of like the terminal and polar express and whatnot. But right. you know, it's, it's at the tail end of his very height. And you're, he's, he's working with a, a young Leo but you can see that you can see what, what's going to happen. Like, this is like LeBron, like Leo at this point, his career is like, it's post Titanic. So he's already had his incredible rookie year or whatever. Like he's a young all-star. This is like almost like a passing of the torch, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like Jordan on the wizards facing Kobe. Like, yeah. Or something. yeah. That's a great yeah. example of it because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's definitely a passing of the torch Two guys going head to head really just, and, and Hanks <clears throat> on the podcast talks about making this movie and yep. he talks about working with Leo was like, you know, a pitcher's duel. Like I'm going to throw a hundred mile per hour fastball at you, see what you do with it. And then, you know, and he's like, Oh, you're going to swing at that. And I'm going to throw you a curveball. Like, so like he's having this interaction with Leo, who is still young in his career, still hasn't become Leo as we know it as him today. And you're just watching the two of them just go to work to each other. On um, in the meantime, you've got Christopher Walken turning in one of his best performances yeah. he's ever done. And but, as, as like in in his like kind of post nineteen ninety career, yes, right, yeah. right, a young like Amy Adams that we had no idea what she yep. turned into yet. So it's it's a it's a really good movie for me. I it's a hard it's but it's like I love it, but it's also a hard rewatch because it's like so many bad things happen to the, you know this, this poor kid. Right. His parents and stuff like that, and I'm just like, oh, it's a tough rewatch, but it's it's one of my favorite Spielberg films. Um, it's it's yeah, it's it's my number one, just for for all of those. And then my one A, my my sliding door. Is that is that my number one? Was that? Come on, is it my number one? What do you got? All of thirteen. Oh shit! No, wow. not yours. Is it, not is Apollo thirteen not on our top three? <laughs> it's. It's, 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 it's right. It's gotta be, it's gotta be that, that one a for me. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of the most rewatchable movies I've ever seen. I've seen that movie like 50 times. Um, I love it. I, I, yeah. for some reason I love movies where guys are doing their job. Like you get to watch people do their job. I don't know what, what it mm -hmm. is about that, those types of movies for me, but I love those movies and just watching like everybody in that movie. It's such a great, it's like, <clears throat> obviously Tom Hanks is like the lead, but it's such a great ensemble film. Like everybody, like from Kevin Bacon to Gary Sinise to Bill to B Pax, my yeah, man, rest in peace. Oh, um, Ed Harris, like they're all throwing a hundred miles per hour yeah. in this movie, and it is so fun to watch because everybody's all in, and it's 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 highly entertaining. I remember I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it when it came out on on 
Um, uh, me too. I don't think I saw it in the theaters. I don't. I don't think I did either. Rented it for Blockbuster. I yeah. literally was on the edge of my couch watching mm-hmm. this movie. Like, what is going to happen? Because I had no idea what happened. Paul Thirteen was. I was like, okay, yeah, me either. Fact. Yeah, that was kind of like uh, the kind of cool thing about being our age when that movie came out. I was like, wait, are they are they going to make it? <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like, uh, like I like. <laughs> and this remember. was the first I time I was there. <laughs> this was the first time that anybody tried that, like, um, flying at certain altitudes to create to simulate zero gravity mm-hmm. so like that was the first time that you were kind of seeing that on film which was really cool really um cool. as well it's just a great movie the one the one picking nit that i've got of that movie is i have no idea why his wife in that movie was nominated for an oscar because that's not an oscar worthy performance at all yeah, but um other than that yeah no apollo 15 that's gotta be that that one that's a your one a that's your one yeah. a how about you my number one has to be saving private ryan it has to be yeah it has yeah. to be um from beginning, if you just watch it and somehow cut out everything except for the Tom Hanks parts, that is one of the most crazy characters in film history still. Like, if you just watch him, I believe he single-handedly carries that movie. Yeah. Without Hanks, that movie is a brutal fucking movie. It really I, is. Yeah. yeah. If, if anyone is, is leading the helm, even like a badass, like if you got like Mel Gibson in the front or you got... Uh, Bruce Willis or something like that. I think it's too much. I don't think it's rewatchable with Hanks. He brings this level of humanity to his performance where you're like, this is a real person. I'm, I'm in it with him till the end. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. he, you know, you find out he's a teacher, you find out he kind of enlisted old and like you just really find out about him and you care about his character and I just remember the first, I mean, I just bawled my eyes out the first time I saw oh, that movie. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, and I don't know. They just, it's its probably the best use of Tom Hanks ever in a dramatic movie. Just because they, you know, you were talking about Leo. I don't, one part that Tom Hanks has that Leo doesn't, and I don't think ever will, because Leo's getting older now, is, you know, we were just talking about the 80s Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and those movies aren't the best films, like, but like the money pit and big and like man with one red shoe and like goofy splash. You know what I mean? Like we've never seen Leo just pull out the funny, like he's pretty funny in Wolf of Wall Street, but it's a pretty a fucked up movie. You know what I mean? Like we're just like, <laughs> it's not like a ha ha. It's like a right. twisted kind but of we're movie. Not, we're, we're not going to get Leo in the burbs. Like that's not going to happen. Like, oh, the burbs. I forgot, <laughs> forgot about the burbs. Yeah. Like we're not going to get that. And like, I just feel like, and Say what you will about those movies, like, and oh, they weren't critically acclaimed. Who gives a shit, dude? Though I know people that The Burbs and Money Pit, they're their favorite movies of all time, like of all all time. And these are people that are cinephiles. They're like, nah, I still like The Burbs. Burbs is the best. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like I, so like, say what you will about Leo, but I don't think he can. I don't think he can do it. Ben, you're you're 100% right. I feel bad for leaving Saver Private Ryan off the list. I looked at it and I was like, the reason why I left it off is because it's ensemble. Is that it's not? I felt, yeah, I felt like, but again, like to your point, Leo's never going to do a movie like that because he can never, like Hanks. Hanks will secede power in a movie. He will he yeah. will say this is okay. All right, Ed Burns, this is your scene. Give it to me. Like this is yours. Yep. Here's yep. the ball. Um, Leo's not going to ever give up the ball. He's not going to you know so. Um, like every movie that Leo's in, even the, like a Wolf of Wall Street, even like, you know, it's always 
he's going to be the center focus and he's always going to make sure that he's the strongest part of the scene. Right. Hanks, Hanks doesn't do that. So like, that's why, that's why I didn't quite, and I, 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 you know, it's, it's such a, Oh God, what an interesting argument. You know, um, Saving Private Ryan is one of those movies where it's like, it, it is the greatest world war two film period. Um, it has ruined every world war two film that's tried to come after it. Like they just, Oh, after it, yeah. I mean, after. after, yeah. I mean, I got some arguments for ones oh, before, but really? after, okay. yeah, Good to know. yeah. Um, but like, fucking Dirty Dozen, bro. Fucking uh, Kelly's Heroes. <laughs> you ever you ever seen Kelly's Heroes? I have. Yes. I fucking love them. I mean, it's a bank um, heist movie, but man, it's fucking great. I just, I literally just watched the Dirty Dozen like last month too. So I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, but it, yeah, like it's. I mean, I was, I, I was what, 15, 14, mm-hmm. 15 when that movie came out, and. Just being in that theater and oh, the first ten twice. minutes, like as soon as they hit the beach, I was like, "What is happening?" And I was yeah. like, "And I saw my dad." And the the it was weird because like my grandfather was alive at the time, and he was on the Normandy invasion. Like he was there that day, and oh, it was yeah. like so. Of course, I peppered him with questions, which I'm sure he loved to talk about. Yeah, um, right. and I was like. You know, trauma, but hey, grandpa, tell me, was it as cool as that? Is it looked yeah, that movie? so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Super sweet. Thanks a Jesus. lot for bringing it up. Oh, man. Um, but uh, <laughs> such such a great movie. But that was a weird, that was a weird year because, you know, it was kind of like the, the dual asteroid movies. We got Saving Private Ryan. And then like a couple months later, we got The Thin Red Line, yep. which was the other World War II movie with the, the ensemble cast, which... If you watch the two of them together, there's it's not even close. Like it's, it's like Saving Private Ryan's a much different movie. It's a better movie. It's not as like uh, introspective as the Thin Red Line is. Chris, and, Chris, you ever seen you ever seen uh, one of my favorite World War Two movies? Is Where Eagles Dare? No. Uh, Richard Burton and Clint Eastwood. I'm in. Uh, I'm in. Uh, the body count in that movie has to be. Over a hundred people. Amazing. It is just, it's definitely what they based Castle, Castle Wolfenstein on. Uh, oh, you, okay. you need to watch it. Yeah, you need to watch it. <laughs> you got to put that on your must list. The must watch. You're going to come back and go, uh, what uh, the hell? Uh, <laughs> like Clint uh, Eastwood is so badass in that movie. It's great. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I just think, like you were saying about anyone else leading Saving Private Ryan. They're not going to give the torch up to all the ensemble cast. And also there's so many quiet, subtle moments in that movie mm-hmm. where Tom Hanks is just quiet and sitting off to the side and still stealing the scene somehow. I, I, oh, yeah. I just, I don't know of any, anyone else that could do that. So I don't know. That's my number one. I just, I, we had to get through that. Um, so where does cloud Atlas break? <laughs> oh God. Bottom three, oh. bottom three, like oh my god! Okay. I can't even think of another one that's that bad. Like, oh, what's another bad Tom Hanks movie? Uh, god, I, that's great. like you ever seen Volunteers with John Candy? I have. I love that movie. Yeah, um, I, it's not a bad movie. I mean, it's not like, movie, like the maybe, best movie. It's like, in the middle somewhere. And Dragnet. Uh, like. oh, I love that movie. I freaking love that. Like, yeah, Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio is not going to make a Dragnet. I fucking love that movie. Um. Oh God! Yeah, what is? I can't even like, think about what would be the bottom three. There's one. Wait, I gotta look this one up. It's called like he he came at night. It's like the shitty '80s horror movie. But like, 
He's not even in like most of it. He's like in like two minutes of it. It's like, <laughs> but oh, bachelor party's great. Volcano. Joe oh, versus, Joe versus the volcano. volcano. Yeah, that's got to be down there. That's got to be down there. Oh, I and mean, the bonfire of the vanities. That's a pretty bad one. Oh, that's a pretty yeah. bad. So there you go. Love it. Good stuff, man. Man, stuff. saving Mr. Banks is really good, though, too. God damn. That's oh, God damn, this guy. By the way, um, <laughs> anyway, news of the, news of the world. We even bring up Philadelphia either. Bring up Philadelphia. Like, you know, basically, like, you know, heat, but in a different way. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, he's got a new movie coming out, Finch, on uh, Apple oh, TV. Yeah. So go uh, check it out. So we'll go, go check it out. Um, all right. What do you got for your number two, my friend? My number two. We're just at number two. Number two. Just number two. Holy God. Um, all right. Let's see here. Uh, a couple things I want to talk about, but uh, let's go. All right, Chris. Um, Red Sox exercise club option on catcher Christian Vasquez for 2022. Okay. And then also, uh, what's his face signed too? Um, JD Martinez signed. Oh, good. Okay. Nice. Yeah, that, that just came out today. So we're bringing the majority of the gang back together. Um, we haven't talked really a lot about the Red Sox at the end of their last season and their hopes the for epilogue. the next season. The yes. epilogue. So, Chris, after looking at the 2021 season, what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Well, it's. Just like clerks, you know, when they got to the ALCS, it's like, I shouldn't even be here today. You know, it's <laughs> like, um, cause they, they shouldn't have been, I mean, this no. was a team that, that was predicted to be barely over 500 yeah. and they came what two wins away from the world series. Mm-hmm. So, which I'm convinced if they had made the world series against the Braves, they would have won the entire thing. Um, the Dodgers would have scared me, but not the Braves. Um, mm. and, um, it's one of those things that's like, it gets you excited because it's like, I thought this team was a year or two away from even being a contender. So Same now here. it's like, Oh man, so what's, what's going to happen next year? And then you worry about, was it, was it like a lightning in a bottle, like chemistry thing with this exact makeup? And if you try to push that to next year, or the year after, is it, is it going to collapse? And so that's, that's the concern, but um, it's from a talent standpoint, from a, guys developing into something standpoint it's really exciting because i'm like oh man now i'm now i'm really up for next year i kind of feel and this is gonna sound this is a weird tangent i think your dad might appreciate this though yeah um, we go it, it's kind of like uconn women's basketball because mm-hmm. like last year they got so close and it was like no this team's still a little green and now it's like what are they gonna do this year next year and things like that so it's really exciting on that end so i kind of feel the same way about the red Sox. it's like next season I, i've got high expectations now which might be a little unfair um but yeah you know, it's it's a that's a good thing. It's it's made me like if I cared about baseball at a level six for the past couple of years, I'm I'm back at like a nine ten, which is me which too, is buddy. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So and and now that I'm moving to Georgia, uh, it's gonna be like you know I'm now in Braves country, and it's like okay, this is it's gonna be oh, a little yeah. interesting. After they just won, yeah, that's <laughs> interesting. Um. Well, so luckily they be didn't beat us. That would be. That'd now, be I will say this. I will say this, and and this is where we can kind of insult the Braves a little bit. Hmm. Um, so I I arrived. I was in I was in Atlanta last weekend for an event with my my college, and um, that was the same day of the Braves parade. And there's Twitter videos of they they had the longest route ever. Now they basically went from Atlanta, Georgia to Marietta. Which if if thinking about um, equal distance, Ben, that's like if the parade started in Meriden. 
Yeah. And ended at Long Wharf in New Haven. That's how Jesus. long the, that's how long the parade was. Um and there's there's Twitter videos. You gotta find these Twitter videos, they're hilarious. Of like apparently like sometimes the the, the parade would get stretched out and cars would get really stretched out and they would try to like keep everybody together. So there's videos of like literally like a double decker bus full of players and their families speeding along the, the route at like 40 miles per hour past like fans. It's the funniest video I've ever seen. And people are like, well, that was the quickest victory parade I've ever seen. Like, that it's, is, it's not like in Boston when the, when the uh, Patriots win and like, it's literally like four square blocks and Gronk pounds like 18 Bud Lights in one yeah. corner or something and like that. And then they get into duck boats and all yeah, that. Right. Like, you know, Boston knows how to do a victory parade. Um, Atlanta, like, this is their first championship in a while. They haven't figured it out yet. So um, needless to say, if they win again, I don't think it could be doing from Atlanta, Marietta anytime soon. But um, it's a it's a very funny video. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for next season. How about you? Uh, I am, Chris. You, you nailed it. I think the guys got me excited and all the Red Sox fans I know we're excited again. Um, you know, additions like uh, Hernandez, uh, Renfro, Verdugo, um, all these guys got me excited. And then you know, Vasquez, you know, one of my uh, one of my favorite players is uh, Veritech. You know what I mean? Oh, From yeah. our winning, winning seasons. V-tech. And I don't know what it is, but I kind of get the same feel from Vasquez. Kind of like you need a guy back there. And I don't know what, you know, they don't look similar. They don't, you know, but, you know, every once in a while he'll hit, he'll hit a, a clutch home run just like Vitek used to. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The guy just knows how to call a game. He just yep. knows how to call. And his, if he keeps batting above the Mendoza line, above 200, um, I think he's going to stick around for quite a bit. I don't, I don't know as long as VTech, but, you know, I just think he's got a great, like, leadership skill among the team and stuff. I, You know, who's our captain? Do we have a captain? Well, I don't think we have a captain right now. I mean, he would be a great captain. I just get a sense that he's just kind of like rallying the troops. But, you know, Hernandez seems like fun. Devers, Bogarts, Martinez. I don't know. As yeah. long as we have that core, we're good. Now, pitching, on the other hand, I mean, that's, that's where we're That's got to get better. That's yeah. got to get better in the off seasons. We, we got to at least move some people around or we got to get some mid-relievers in there. We got to get at least one more starter to just – Help us breathe a little, but other than right. that, dude, I, I get the gang back together. As far as batting, I'm ready to rock. I mean, these guys were hitting a ton, even in the postseason, which we had no right to be there. They were just wailing on that thing. So, right. Chris, I, I just say, you know, get the gang back together as far as batting, but you know, pitching, I say, just I don't know. Gotta get better. I mean, but the good news is that we haven't spent a lot on anybody that I now have concerns about, like the Yankees. With Garrett no, Cole, right? Uh, they got to be panicking. <laughs> like, what happened? Like, that's that's not good. Yeah, that guy um, fell asleep. He fell, <laughs> he fell apart. Um, and this uh, guy's so, dead. We'll what? cross him off then. I had to do it. So thankfully, we don't have those like red alarms. Like, oh my god! Like, we just spent forty million dollars a year on this guy. Even even Chris Sale came back, and he oh he my god, okay. he, he looked great, and, he, and he's got a whole you know whole off season to get even better yep. like yep. you know we're i think we're going to be golden so yeah just another starter another quality like number four or five starter and then like got to strengthen that bullpen but we, um, we really do we really got to figure out i just feel like the whole season we were playing with 
yeah, is this guy a closer? Is he a starter? And I know, like, in the postseason, all bets off. You know what I mean? We'll have Chris Sale start this game and end in two and, like, you know, go nuts. I get it. You know what I mean? And that's Alex Cora's bread and butter right there is just starting whoever and, and, and you know, having anyone close. But right. when the regular season goes, I, there's some sort of psychological ease that happens when – Okay, you're my pitcher. Okay, cool. You're gonna give me five at least. Cool. Like it, it just puts the batters at ease. It puts everyone at ease. The fans are at ease. It's like, right? Yeah. Like I don't know. The beginning of the season, even though we came out of the gates like crazy, like that that preseason last year was so sketchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, who are these guys? They're like triple A, and then all of a sudden, like season started, we started winning, and I'm like, all right, we got something going. But I mean, I think our bats got us out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's pick up, uh, we got money. Let's pick up a uh, Jacob Degrom. Let's just get him. <laughs> Why not? You know, and it's just, it, and, and this is like a side, like a side note, but like, it was just great seeing like a charged Fenway in the fall. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing, there's nothing better than a excited. Fenway it's been a minute. In it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Um, but there's no other, I mean, any, any other team in baseball, can say what they want. They even even the Yankees. No one has a stadium like Fenway in October. Nobody. No. no. Uh, that could that can literally affect the opposing team. Um, I'll never I'll never forget the sound of that crowd in that one game playoff. I mean, I don't. You know, back in '78 when there was the one game playoff for the Yankees and Sox. You know, we've seen footage from it. You know, you can see replays of it, but you know, we didn't have HD sound and HD video, and it. That crowd was so loud, you could barely hear the announcers on television. Right. And I'm texting everyone. You know, I was texting you, my dad, you know, Josh, my, my Ryan, and just all these people texting back and forth the whole game. Um, and there's something about that that noise. It just gets you fired up. And gets we just got to keep that going. Yeah. Like, the, like a couple of years ago, 2015, when Shane Victorino hits that grand slam. Oh, grand slam. Like the cameras are shaking. Like that's how yeah. loud it got. Um like, you know, you saw it in game three with the Astros where, like, they were terrified. Like, you could just see, yeah. like, the, the crowd sucked any confidence the Astros had out of that. And um, so, yeah, like, it's, 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 I love Fenway. I love being there. Uh, the Red Sox are five and yep. one when I'm in Fenway. So I got to go to more games. Um, but it's, um, it's awesome. Oh, I so, think yeah. they're undefeated. They're undefeated with me going to Fenway. So we got to, we have to become season ticket holders. We really do because, and then the last, check this out. Check this out, Chris. Wait, hold on. One, two, three, four. The last four times I went to Fenway, they've won a World Series in different years. Whoa. Okay. So then you definitely need to go back. Yeah, I definitely need to go back. Next year would probably be the year to go. I mean, because uh, me and Greg, we went uh, the year that uh, Xander Bogarts had a walk-off Grand Slam. Nice. So 2018 when they won. And then I went in 2013, went in 2008, and then I went in uh, 04. Wow. That's awesome. That's <laughs> Gotta awesome. Gotta go. Gotta go, dude. Gotta go. All right. So anyway, so re- ready for the Sox to play again. That was my number two. Just a nice. little, little off-season chatter. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, my number two, uh, I'm going to talk about something that, that I think is going to get you fired up. And angry. So I what we got. <laughs> so this actually broke yesterday and today. So I don't know if you're familiar. There's a there's a YouTuber by the name of John Kempia, and he does these like YouTube review shows of movies. 
And each video is like a half an hour long, so to speak. So he really goes into like deep dives. He's got like 250,000 subscribers. So he's, he's, he's pretty much, he's a known name in that, that YouTube YouTuber. industry. Yeah. yeah. So this guy, someone uh, emails him two images. And I'm not going to tell you what the images are because I don't want to spoil anything for this audience. But he said he he was sent two images from the upcoming Star uh, I was about to say Star Wars Spider Man movie that oh, okay. uh, are basically arguably two of the biggest spoilers in the movie. Um, oh, and he posted them on Twitter. <gasps> so and he he not only did that, but he put his watermark of his show like on the picture. So you knew that it was him making fun. So this, like he, this is this is how quick Twitter uh, reacts, and he's he's got about ninety eight thousand followers on Twitter, so people are going to see this. But he 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 posts it up, takes it down within five minutes. It's too late. Everybody's got everybody's screen grabbing these things, sharing it like crazy. Um, he his defense, because these are big spoilers. Again, I'm not going to tell you what they are because I don't. Thank want God. It. Did you see him? I did. Oh no, that sucks. And his defense was that because of like image issues or image inconsistencies, he thought they were fake and he put them up on his Twitter anyway. And he said like, if I thought they were real and that it would get me into trouble, why would I put my watermark on it? And blah, 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 blah. The reason it's bullshit. So do I think bullshit. the images could be fake? It's very possible. It's possible. Could they be very much real based on the rumors that we've been hearing about this movie? Absolutely. And um, it, it's gotten a lot of people upset. Like a lot of people are very upset on Twitter. And they're now coming for this guy. And my, my standpoint is, Ben, and you and I kind of, I think, feel the same way, is I hate spoilers. I hate the internet. I hate them. I hate them. Um, Avengers Endgame was spoiled for me. And oh, Chris. I will never. Wait, wait Infinity myself. War or Endgame? Endgame. Oh. <laughs> so here's no joke. I was I was just on Facebook. I was all I and I was I was on Facebook. I forgot that I was in a in a like Facebook group of like it's called like Marvel Fans United or something like that, but it's like a fan. It's like yeah, where yeah. I, would, I would post content, and someone posted up a screenshot of what happens to Iron Man at the end of the movie, and they said like, "Oh, oh like no way, R.I.P." And Tony like, Stark or what? Oh. Yeah, and like I, I just I was literally just sitting on my phone scrolling, and I just came across the image, and I was like, "What the fuck?" It was so. I was so angry. So when the when that movie, I was still obviously crying throughout the entire movie, but like I was so angry. And so like this, these images, if they're true, like God help this guy because he is he is his reasoning is stupid, which I don't. I think he got these spoilers, thought they were too good not to post up on Twitter, yep. thought he would get a oh, lot he of wanted attention. to increase increase his audience yep. and the whole yep. thing. Yeah, and he, he's already said he's like, oh my gosh, you got twelve thousand retweets in five minutes. I was like, yeah, because you're a dick, and um, yeah, because you're an asshole, and other assholes. It's like you know, it's like other assholes storm the Capitol too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, buddy. 
Um, yeah. You found 12,000 so, other assholes to retweet your spoiler. So this guy, this guy is now yeah, fuck like, those other 12,000 people. And, and by the way, yeah, fuck those other people. Um, like because of I'll this, like all, all of them, there's like, there's some just priceless memes of like Kevin Feige going to this guy's house now and stuff like that. But like this guy, I feel, you know, is, is one of those things where it's like, I, I, do I feel bad? Do I like being in his shoes now to like actually hoping that this is, this is the position that he's in now. He is literally has to hope that the one thing we all want in this movie to happen doesn't happen. Like that's, he, he is hoping that this movie now is a letdown for fans because he spoiled two things in this movie that the fans have always wanted to, this movie to be. So this guy is fucked. And um, he's, he said on, he released a YouTube video this morning saying like, look, if this, if these two images turn out to be true, I'm going to feel awful. And I was like, buddy, if these two images are true, you're fucked. Like you are. Yeah. You're fucked. You're it, it's going to be really bad for you um, in this online community. You're like so bad. You're going to have to ha probably hang it up. Like you're done. Um, so you're like the guy that caught the ball at the Cubs game. What was that guy's name? Oh, Steve Bartman. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're Steve Bartman. <laughs> but like, this is like, this is like, if like Steve Bartman caught the ball, then like paraded it around and then said like, you know, um, I'll only feel bad if the Cubs lose or something like that. Like he, it, it's like, you know, at least Barman like looked like he really felt shitty about it. This guy doesn't seem right. like he feels shitty about it. No, um, but he's got to be like, I, I can't even imagine what it's like to have the entire internet against you. Um, like he's got to be shitting his pants, like from now until <laughs> November 19th when this movie comes out. Um, but I, I just hate this. So Ben, I just wanted your thoughts on people that post spoilers and, is there a special place in hell for these people and all yes. that jazz? Yes. <laughs> I hate it. I hate, I hate. Has, has a movie like ever this. been spoiled you know for Chris? you like this, by the way? Is, has there ever been like uh -huh. an event movie yep. that's been spoiled? Yep. 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 Uh, <laughs> there was a couple, you know, I was trying to think while you were talking, I was trying to think of the movie that was just spoiled and um, someone did this to me and it was, it was a Netflix movie. Man. I think it was Squid Game. Okay. I think, I think someone spoiled Squid Game. Wow. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. And um, now let me break this down. And there is a special place in hell for these people because uh, I love content. Chris, we we both love entertainment, right? I don't care what we're talking about. Pot, you know, we just talked about Tom Hanks. Talk about podcasts for thirty minutes. I love just listening to stuff. The production of things, like even the production of podcasts, like when they have interviews. I just love it. I just love when people put in an effort and it, it comes out good. Cause I know how hard that is. You know what I mean? Like how hard it is to make music or make podcasts or movies or all that stuff. I just love it. And I put my phone down and then I, I, en I enjoy movies, you know, to the fullest. Now there's people out there that love to binge shows and movies. They'll sit on their phone the whole time, Chris, right? Mm -hmm. These people deserve a place in L2. And they're just sitting there playing, you know, you know, I don't know, Minesweeper on their phone. Whatever we play on there. <laughs> Sorry, my phone is from 1998. Has uh, Windows 2 on it. Uh, so, <laughs> so they're just playing Minesweeper. And you know what they're doing, Chris? They're just looking up the last two minutes of the episode to find out what's going to happen 
then they go back down to their phone for the next 58 minutes and then they just, you know, tweet stuff just so they can find out the episode, like the end of things just to, you know, they're not enjoying the acting. They're not enjoying the directing or the writing. They're just waiting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And these are the same kind of people that don't care about spoilers because I, I forget, man. And the person that spoiled squid game for me was just, it, it's a because it, it's one of those shows that is like, you know, it's it's not like the best show. You know, we haven't really reviewed it on here, and it's like, but there's things that happen, like twists that happen in the show that make the show great. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, I wonder what this show's about. Oh my god, I can't believe that happened. Like, it's kind of like an M Night Shyamalan kind of thing. You're like, whoa, wow. Like, and if someone spoils that show for you, like, it takes the roller coaster out of it. You know what I mean? It's not like right. the most high quality show time but it's that's the whole point of it it's just to see what happens next and to spoil that it just spoils the whole point of the whole show and um people i I just get a sense people don't watch movies and tv like we do chris like you and me like nerds and so when they finally get a hold of something that they watched they just want to show off so bad they're like oh check this out like they just i don't know chris they they just i feel like and this guy that watches movie. You got me all fired up. And for this guy <laughs> that fucking reviews movies on YouTube and can't make his own movie, he wants to be like, oh, like he wants to feel like he made Spider-Man with these people. You know what I mean? Like, oh, right. people are going to tune into my Twitter like they're tuning into the MCU. But he ain't Kevin Feige. He ain't like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, people are awful, Chris. <laughs> yep. No, Exactly. So as you yeah, as you're talking, no, you I just got, you got me fired up. As uh as you were talking, I just went on his YouTube and I just told him to go fuck himself. So uh, that's good. Yeah. So John Campia, uh, if you feel inspired and you want to uh, tell this guy what you think, uh, go to his uh, YouTube and Twitter. There you go. Um, I think I will. There yeah. you go. Um, all right, my friend, we got for you number three. All right, number three. I feel like we've been putting off something for a while, Chris. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it has to do with entertainment. And I can't believe we haven't talked about it. You ready? Yep. Um, can we talk about Alec Baldwin fatally uh, shooting someone on the set of Rust? Uh, yeah. I yeah. would love, as a theater person and you know, a lover of film and everything, I, I can't wait to hear what your thoughts i have many many thoughts and uh, the article i pulled up just to remind myself to talk about this um after rust's fatal shooting a dangerous spider bite results in a hospitalization and possible amputation on the set of rust (laughs) so this is just not going well um chris what are your thoughts just in general about this whole thing it's it's you feel bad for obviously everybody involved um, maybe yeah. except for the fact that except for the people that were negligent um, and it's one of those things where uh, you and I remember what happened to Brandon Lee very well like you yeah. and I yeah. were teenagers when that happened um, shocked um, after that after something like that happens this should never happen again like Never happen again, ever. In the silver lining of the tragedy of losing Brandon Lee, who, by the way, was on his like way to superstardom, I believe. Superstar, um, you know, like like how we were just talking about Tom Hanks getting out of Splash in the Money Pit. Like 
same trajectory was going on for Brantley. He was in like, you know, laser mission <laughs> and rapid right. fire and all these like shitty, like showdown in little Tokyo. Now, I mean, not shitty movies, but some of my favorite movies, <laughs> but um, like, well, like the crow know, was going to be like his, yes, like his crossover, his crossover. And like, he might've had, I mean, he might've been in the matrix. Who knows? Like that was three. He might've been, so, I like, could have seen him go from the crow. Now hear me out. I could see him going from the crow to an ensemble picture like Armageddon. He oh. could have been Owen Wilson's place in Armageddon. In a heartbeat. In a or, heartbeat. or he could have been Ben Affleck in Armageddon. Ben Affleck. Easily mean, Ben Affleck. Oh my God, that would have been... Could you imagine how better that movie is? <laughs> he's, freaking, he's freaking Bruce Lee's kid. Like, he would have done any... He could have done anything you know, he wanted to do. If anyone's listening to this podcast, like any nerds out there on their computers, and they're just sitting around looking at Photoshop going like, oh, what do I do with all this technology and your After Effects stuff? Can you do a deep fake and replace... <laughs> Ben Affleck with Brandon Lee, so I can just see that, like when when uh uh you know Bruce Willis is chasing around with the shotgun on the oil rig, I want to see Brandon Lee run from the shotgun blast. Right? Thank you, thank I, yeah, you, thank you, thank you. But um, but yeah, so like th- the silver lining of that tragedy was that it created all these new policies and practices for using firearms on movie sets and theater as well, and. The, the fact that this happened again is is a systematic failure that is just it's unthinkable of like how this could happen and uh i feel i mean <clears throat> i'm not i'm not the biggest baldwin fan but this has nothing to do with that and right. i feel i feel no. terrible for him um because that's right. trauma yeah it really doesn't have anything to do with with him as a, it's just all that could have been any actor to it could have been any actor and yep. It's awful. Obviously, you feel terrible for the the young lady who who sadly passed away, and um, the director who was also injured. And then, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, now you just have now now comes the how in the world did this happen? And the what yeah. what I'm not liking is how nobody is, you know, it's it's a pointing fingers thing where it's like the person yeah. that was the armorer. Who is non-union, by the way, um, is an basically an amateur armorer for right. a movie set. Uh, is blaming the assistant director, and the assistant director is blaming someone else, and blah blah blah. So, thankfully, through the court system, this is all going to get figured out because there's definitely going to be wrongful oh. death suits and oh, yeah. potential charges and stuff. Civil like Civil suits and yeah. oh my god, yeah, it's just crazy. So this I will mean, all get ironed out. Yeah, and I, at the very end of the day, you know, Baldwin was a producer on the films. This may be ultimately coming down on his shoulders for not properly, you know, having this, uh, you know, things taken care of, but you know, um, it's, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. Well, Chris, I mean, just knowing a little bit about how films are made, like there, this happened during rehearsal. Oh, wow. They weren't even shooting. They weren't even shooting. And so hand him, I'm looking here at a a drinkster, hand him a drinkster or a pencil. All right, this is gonna be your pencil for for rehearsal. Just say your lines, and we just want to see how it looks. So it, they oh. weren't even shooting. So like, why are we handing him a gun? Like, don't we have a wooden gun or anything off to the side that we can just practice or play pretend with? I have a screwdriver right here too. Hold the screwdriver. That's your gun right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just. Yeah. And then the way that I, I don't know. I've been on a set where there is a live firearm, and. The guy that was our weapons master slash armor, he was an ex-cop 
um, and he taught, um, what do you call it? He taught, uh, he was the firing shooting instructor for like this whole police force for the state mm -hmm. police. So this guy is so over the top prepared. And then when you fire a gun, there shouldn't be anyone that this gun is pointed towards. Like, especially now in today's day and age, like when we have cameras that you can operate with a remote control, there shouldn't be anyone behind the camera. There shouldn't be any actor in front of you because you're pointing this way. You can cut back to another shot of the actor that's going to get quote shot and have the squib go or whatever. And then third and finally with, and this is a big finally with today's technology where we can make muzzle fire look amazing in CGI. Why are we firing anything on set? Right. Why are we, I don't understand that whatsoever. Like if you watch John wick three or, or, you know, John wick two, it's like, the muzzle fire looks so good and it's digitally there and there's so much training that goes into those movies. They're making John Wick 4 as we speak right now and like Keanu Reeves is trained like crazy. There's so many people like – I mean the main director of John Wick is a stunt coordinator. So it's like there's no reason why this should be happening. There should be no one in danger on a set. And then you watch, you know, Chris, you watch a show like Mandalorian where you literally can go to different worlds on like this kind of 3D wraparound green screen set. Why do we have any guns, any weapons, any like why are we in the desert anyway getting bitten by spiders when we have this technology that's cheap? It's really awesome. And you could just rent it for the day from Disney and boom, you're done. I don't know, Chris, the whole thing is just so confusing to me, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's one of those movies. It's it's like. If John Wick can, they, if they can film three John Wick movies and they don't have a single incident like this, like there's yep. no excuse for this to happen ever. But especially when you've got a movie that uses that much gunfire. Um, but I've seen when you watch behind the scenes clips of John Wick and they're shooting the guns, it's it's nothing more than a cap. Like it's not even like you're right. not even getting these large bangs. Like it's not like heat the heat shootout in downtown LA where there's oh, yeah. it's loud and everything like that. No, it's, yeah. it's actually, it's very quiet, actually. It's um, very, yeah, it's like pop, 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 pop. Yeah, because we don't have to shoot movies like that anymore because that is so antiquated because even on the low-budget movies I've worked on, adding muzzle fire is the quickest thing you could do, especially on a low-budget film. Like, how much gunfight is happening? Like, if you have, like, one guy getting shot, like, per scene, you just, yeah, like you said, Chris, shoot a little cap gun, so it kind of looks, you can see like the muzzle flash on the actor's arm, but even that you can add in post yeah. with so little of budget. It, it doesn't cost any money. I mean, and so I, 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 I remember, know, I remember when no you excuse. and I, you and I did a play together called all my sons. And, um, mm -hmm. at the end, uh, the lead character, spoiler alert, the lead character, Joe, uh, kills himself. And what I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to crack. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, Backstage, um, our good friend and and I think she was I think she was the assistant stage manager, uh, Nikki Lalonde, short yeah. plug. She she handled the cap gun, right? And and the, I mean I remember very clearly the cap gun was held in this like like styrofoam plastic like oh, case yeah. that yeah. had like a padlock on it. Yep. Nikki was the only person allowed to like yep. touch this thing. Um, and when she fired it, she literally fired it, pointing it like downwards. Like she didn't even aim it like anywhere. She just pointed it down, you know, into the corner of the theater. I so, think I was, I was back there. Cause I was George. I was already offset. Yep. 
So, yep. I mean, you and I would joke around saying, like, would it be great if we could just throw something against the window when he does it or, like, toss, like, a dummy right. out the window as if he was running, getting a running start. Oh, yeah, um, I remember <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, like, that's, like, it was a cap gun. It wasn't even a gun that shot blanks, and that's how yeah. seriously we took it um, because it was, like, you're still working with something. That, and, that and you know what? Something. And I remember, I remember distinctly them saying, hey, all, right, all you actors, all you theater people, I know we're all funny. But I want no one to play with this cap gun. I, I distinctly remember that speech. Oh, yeah. Like, like, we like weren't she's to in charge. It. I think she said it, and then George said it. Like, all these people said it. And then when I redid that play, Chris, in, like, uh, a couple of years ago, and I was uh, uh, Chris, Joe Keller's son, mm -hmm. um, they just took two two-by-fours and clapped them together. See? There you go. S same, you same effect. Same <laughs> effect. So, yeah. Jesus. So yeah, uh, it, it's it's a terrible situation. I'm I hope it gets investigated to the nth degree, and um, it just you feel terrible for everybody involved, and, and you hope that this you hope that this never happened. I mean, we went what twenty some odd years without it happening. Um, like yeah. it, it it shouldn't it shouldn't have be another twenty before it happens again. It should never happen again. So um, yeah. yeah, but. Um, Good stuff. Yeah, Good. I just I just had to bring it up because we just hadn't brought it up yet. So I just yeah. thought it's important for us to talk about it. So. No, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. so my final one, uh, kind of a not like a rant, but like I want I want to get your thoughts on this, Ben. So um, so travel is starting to open back up again. People are getting yeah. on flights, people are going on vacations, and a lot more people in the airport than there used to be. Um, I'm traveling quite a bit right now. I just got back from Atlanta going to another part of Georgia next week. I'm going to Texas a couple weeks after that. So I'm going to be on a plane quite Georgia, a bit. Georgia. There you go. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to notice and get annoyed with people on planes. And All right, um, what do we got? If you if you travel with me, I am the biggest asshole in the airport you'll ever meet. Not, not an asshole to the staff or anybody who works there or the flight attendants. Yeah. I am a, I'm an asshole to people that are unprepared for travel. And I get angry when when they get in my way, I mean, when they delay me from getting on and off a flight uh, or any of the process and things like that. Um, and I'm starting to see people return to some bad habits on planes and traveling and things like that. And I just want to kind of get your thoughts on what annoys you. But I'm going to tell you what I, I, I witnessed on my flight back and forth to Georgia. So the first thing I witnessed um, was a person next to me uh, taking off their shoes Um so they were wearing um, like a you know business attire. Guy yeah. takes his shoes off and just hanging out with his socks, like you know, right there. And that annoys me, number one. Because um, what, what's you know, annoying about it? What do you got? What do you got? Because I gotta, I gotta smell your feet. Like I, that's oh, it smelled. It, it. You could smell like it's, there was a difference in the air oh. uh, <laughs> after he took off his shoes, and I'm even like, through the mask. Even even through the mask, I could, I was like, okay, something's oh. something's not right. Um, didn't like that. <laughs> um, he also unbuckled his pants. Uh, took off. If you like, he he undid his belt. He didn't he didn't undo his button or zip down his fly. He just undid. What his kind belt. of flight is this? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm just looking at this guy. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> um. And then when the flight attendant came around, and you know, it was a, it was an all male, you know, flight attendant staff, but. Um, like he couldn't decide what he wanted to drink from the drink service, which really annoys me because like you, you've had 30 minutes to think about this. You know the drink cart was coming. Like, what's the mystery? This guy's in a business suit. He doesn't know how what he likes to drink. What the hell? Right. And so that annoyed me. Uh another person in another row I noticed um 
she was a, a woman with long hair and she actually put her hair behind the seat. So like, did you smell it? Smell no, it. I didn't. She was, she was a little far away, oh, but I totally weird. would, I totally would have tugged on it. But like her hair was so long that it like, when she put it over the seat, like it came over like the um, tray table that folds down. So like, no person, way. So That's how long her hair was. That's how long her hair was. So the person that, if they wanted to put their tray table down, they'd have to like, you know, you know, wedge their hand through her hair to get the latch to pull it down. You know, Chris, and, did we did we just get too comfortable being in our houses last year? I think year? so. I think that's the problem is that people forgot these little social things. etiquette things. Yeah, right. these little or, things or like you don't do become, this. Yeah, or we've become so overly PC that people are like, don't tell me not to wear my shoes. You're oppressing me. Or like, you know, hey, I'm I'm so and so. You can't tell me that I can't put my hair. Across oh. this person's face. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> oh my God. What is wrong with people? And then like I, I was in line with the metal detect, you know, the metal detectors and people like just not understanding what they can and can't bring on planes. Um oh, this woman that. got into I a whole, t- whole tizzy because she Oh yeah, I can't bring my lighter fluid on and the stick of dynamite. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Um <laughs> so, just blasting caps. They're not real TNT. <laughs> That's in my check-on bag. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just I, I'm back to hating. I, I went a while without like just being happy to be back flying and traveling again, but now now I just straight up hate people again in the airport. So here's my suggestion, folks. Ben, I, and I do want to get your thoughts on this. Um, yeah, if you're going to travel, you, oh, you got suggestions. You got if suggestions. People are going to travel. Yes, if you're going to travel. I don't care what mode of transportation it is. I don't care if it's a train, bus, plane, whatever it is. Do your do like the night before you leave. Do your research. It's on every website. What you can and cannot bring on a plane. How you pack for a plane. How you pack for these different things. And just do it. This these are non-negotiables. People at the airport, these flight attendants aren't messing around. The second that you they ask you to do something and you look at them the wrong way. They're going to be like, you're yeah. non-compliant. You're, we're kicking you off the flight. Like I've seen that happen. And yeah. like, they're not messing around. Like these airports are not messing around and um, you will not get on your flight. And if you delay the process for someone else, they, there's a venom that is comes from these people that is unlike anything you've ever witnessed. I mean, if I had, if I missed my connecting flight because someone's being a moron, uh, I'm I'm letting that more know exactly what you know what their actions did. So um, do the research. Uh, it's okay to ask questions in the airport, but yeah. like don't but do it with a smile, please. You know, yeah, like you know, just do your research and don't don't come, don't fight and don't try to negotiate. Um, it's just you can't bring liquids on a plane uh, that you 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 didn't that didn't weren't purchased beyond security. Uh, you you know maybe don't undo your belt. Uh, maybe maybe don't put your hair in someone else's face. Um, you know maybe yeah, just ugh, things, right. man. So anyway, ben, I, just, I just think people. Yeah, I think I just want your thoughts too... on travel and stupid people and all that fun stuff. But yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, coming from someone that I'm going to travel for the first time next year for our honeymoon, we're gonna. I think we're going to the Dominican Republic, so I Ooh, can't wait. We are nice. can't wait. Yeah, we're going to the place called. Punta Cana Resort or something like that. And uh, in Meriden, I mean, Punta means something different, but I guess it means something not <laughs> sexy. Not, not that. Down <laughs> there, the rest yes. of the world. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Washington <laughs> Middle School, it meant something different. Uh, I definitely called that many times while playing basketball. Uh, so, so, um, so we're going. It looks awesome. I can't wait. But yeah, that kind of uh, that fear of people doing some wild ass shit on the planes. And I'm not even talking about like terrorist wild ass shit. I'm talking about like being assholes. You know, what I mean, um, that does cross my mind, and it just. I don't know. I just feel like people have forgotten how to be polite and, you know, not spoil movies and not cut in line and stuff like the cutting in line thing has really, I don't know about you, Chris, like, where was I? Oh, I was at, um, Vernon Downs, which is a, the racetrack right next to us. Next time you come up, Chris, we got to take you there. It's awesome. And there's like this little kind of like, restaurant bar area where they have like bands every friday and it's awesome everyone like you know all the old folks dance and stuff like that and they have a bar and they got slot machines and i remember i went up to get a drink and and get around for everyone and just people like what's the deal with old people cutting younger people like you ever notice that like if you're older than me they feel like entitled to they're, they're able to cut me so like even though like i'm seven foot tall this little like five foot old, like 80 something year old dude will just totally walk right in front of me and just cut in line. Like, he thinks and, that you're not going to like, Oh, I'm 80. Like, you know, this guy's not going to mind. Cause I'm so young or so old that, you know, <laughs> Oh, I, I say something every time. Oh, do you? Good. I say something. I'll, I mean, I'm not supposed to fight like women. And that's about it. I can, I can beat up an old guy. Like, especially <laughs> if he's, <laughs> Like, unless they're really old. Um, <laughs> I'll fight an old man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this guy walked right in front of me. And I'm like, and the bartender even looked right at him. She looked right at him, right to me. He looked back. I go, go enjoy your beverage, guy. Like, or something like that. Like, <laughs> I forget what he said. Uh, I hope it's refreshing. Like, yeah. And then I made sure to cough on him as he stepped in nice, front of man, me. Nice, that's um, what you guys <laughs> So I, Ben, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you this, <laughs> this might this might segue into like disrespect our elders, but um, yeah, <laughs> I do I do this a let's lot. Just go point. off. Let's just go. I, off. Let's just go off on a little bit. I take. I hate old people. I hate old people. Um, I I I I'm terrible at the poker table with old people. Uh, if they beat me, oh, hand. like I've said, I've said some terrible things to old men uh, at the <laughs> poker table. Ah. <laughs> um, like a guy, a guy beat me once at a poker table, and um, I, I told him, I was like, and I, I never called them by their names. I say, listen here, old man, um, I want you to write my initial on every single one of those chips that you just took from me because I'm gonna take them all back and the ones that you got in front of you uh, before the end of the night. And uh, I did, but um, you know, I felt bad about it later on. I've told, oh, I've told he men, probably slow played you, and they called oh, yeah. like a fucking six on the river for his straight or something yeah, like that. No, I think it was, yeah, something like a flush or something like that. And I had like trips, yeah, on the flock or something. He caught his flush, yeah, he had um, trips the whole time. He's like, he's matching you, like, and he's just waiting for like a <laughs> four of spades or some shit. I've told, I've told guys, I was like, you probably, I, I've said to like old men, like, you probably need that more than I do right now because you know, you're old. <laughs> it's like, I've said. I've told guys to enjoy the remaining years. Like I've, I've been terrible. Funeral planning. Your funeral yeah. planning. You, you need that. You need that money for the next round of Pedialyte. Oh, <laughs> like you can use those. It's fine. I, I will. Um, I'm going to Vegas in March, so yeah, I will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, Chris, the freaking. Uh, yeah. I know. I, I just that. feel like people. 
you know, let's let's just, you know, wake up a little people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I just feel like a lot of us went through last year. We we weren't around a lot of people. We were around our bubble. You know what I mean? Like me and Katie, mm-hmm. we didn't see our families. We were hanging out with the neighbors across the street. We kind of forgot. You know, there's a lot of pe- different people out there with different quirks and different things that they get insulted by. And it's very easy to kind of get stuck in your way. So, you know, it's just kind of a little heads up. Maybe just err on the err on the side of caution for a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Try not to do anything yeah. crazy. But, you know, Chris, when I'm in a place like the airport or traveling, I don't care if I'm at a bus station, train station, I don't care. I've worked every kind of job known to man. And I just, you know, customer service sucks. And I just want to make their lives so much easier when I'm there. You know what I mean? Right. I right. just want to follow the rules. I just want to, like, say, hey, you know, I've worked your job. I know it sucks. We'll get through it, buddy. <laughs> I know it's my Friday, but you're really on your Monday. You know, jobs like that that are terrible. And it's just like, why give these people shit? I don't know. They're, I don't know. That's that's my two cents. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Good get stuff. It. Let's go YouTube. Let's Woo! do it. What do you got for me this week? Are you? All right, got some music things, okay? Been trying to do a lot more YouTubing down in the basement, you know, like trying to um, get like some playlists going, some stuff that, you know, people come over, we YouTube, we cast up to the YouTube, like I always talk about. Um, my first one uh, was Fred Armisen on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, um, impersonates each decade of punk music I with saw his this. guitar. <laughs> that was phenomenal. Great. Now, as a music nerd, the way he's strumming really changes. So, like, anyone can go up there and do, like, an impersonation of Nirvana or, you know what I mean, um, The Clash or something like that. But he's actually strumming in the pattern that they used. And then I believe he's improving the words to just made-up lyrics, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what cracks up Jimmy Fallon. Because he keeps just saying random stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, eh, eh. And he's just doing this kind of cockney, like, British thing. And, like, and then, like, when he gets to the late 90s and he starts talking about, like, pop punk and he's just, like, Blink-182. And he's like, and then I took your girlfriend. And, like, it's so perfect and spot on. There's some things that Fred Armisen does that are just, there's only one Fred Armisen. That's all I'm going to say. And he's just... He just happens to be like one of the funniest, most nerdy people on the planet. And he's just great. That was awesome. And then um, one thing I want to say, and I've talked about this band before. Oh, no, no. I'm going to talk about this. I've never talked about these guys. Chris, you familiar with Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack? Oh, yeah. Love did you ever, yeah. Did you ever see their Silk Sonic series? No. All right. Can you can you YouTube Silk Sonic? Just spell it regular. Silk Sonic. Oh, so for, I just said Silk, and this is the first thing that came up. Oh, look at these guys. Okay. They are recreating, like, music. So their new song is Smoking Out the Window, and it's kind of – it's very tongue-in-cheek, these songs. And the way they're dressed – like they're dressed like 70s crooners in this movie, in this uh, vi- video, and they're all smoking cigarettes the whole time, <laughs> just like an old 70s video. I love this. It's so smooth. <laughs> nice. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And, you know, I love, the, like, their voices together are made. I love Anderson Pack. He's my new favorite guy. Oh, the guy great. can drum. He can produce. He's phenomenal. But, Chris, you're going to fall in love with these guys. I, the second I saw this, I sent it to our friend Lynette. She was like, oh, my God, awesome. And uh, just, I don't know. This is my cup of tea. These guys are great. And I feel like 
they've released like three or four songs, but they're releasing a video with each one. So all of them are great, Chris. Go through their catalog. There's only three of them, but I just love the idea of these guys that are really famous. You know, Bruno Mars, Anderson Pack. And instead of releasing a whole album or just a single that we forget about, I believe they make the music, they go out, produce the video, and then they're releasing on YouTube and Spotify at the same time. It's kind of what you have to do as a new musician. And it's kind of a great model to follow, especially if you're established artist, because people are waiting for content and to distribute video content and music content at the same time, kind of a brilliant model. So check them out. Silk Sonic. Nice. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, mine real quick. Um, so <clears throat> Ben, I don't know how much, uh, SNL you're watching this year. Um, you know, the new season, uh, uh just watched last weekends. It was phenomenal. Last phenomenal. They're off to a great start. Whatever they, they obviously yeah. heeded our advice to listen to everything we're talking about. Um, well, they, and, they did last week. We are a couple weeks ago. We did. <laughs> yep. So they're doing good. Uh, but the, 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 Specific videos I want people to kind of point to is uh, this new group of writers on the show uh, called Please Don't Destroy. And yes, there's these three guys, um, one of which I know his name is Ben Mitchell. He's the, the redhead of the group. He's a really funny guy. Um, and these guys are basically the next iteration of The Lonely Island. I mean, this is this is where we're going with this. And they're doing like these digital shorts. Uh, that are really kind of almost absurdist in a way, which are really, really funny. Uh, but these guys have been around for years. They've been around for at least four or five years doing some really good stuff, both on Twitter and on YouTube. So if you get a chance, if you, if you, they did this great thing with um, last week where uh, I think it was like, you know, they're trying to, to get one of the guy's girlfriends back and they kept saying terrible things. They did this really good one with Rami Malek. <laughs> that was great. Ago. That was great. Yeah. And then <laughs> like, she comes oh, in and starts hitting him in the face. Why are we saying these things? Oh, I hate you. Um, they do some great stuff. Um, so if you love the hard, you, uh, can we talk about the hard seltzer sketch? The hard seltzer. Great. Oh, desk. That's what <laughs> Why are you sipping it like that? Oh, so good. <laughs> so, I mean, this is the this is the content. This is the type of stuff that you and I have been kind of waiting for them to to kind of delve into, like that more absurdist, really good, funny stuff. And and these guys are great. They've got some great stuff on YouTube and Twitter. Um, so please don't destroy. That's the name of their their comedy troupe, yeah. so to speak. Um, Definitely check them out because some of their stuff is just really, really good. And you can see, like when they get, when I heard that these guys got, like all three of them got hired by SNL, I was like, yes, like this is, this is huge. Um, and, I think you uh, mentioned that they were like, like Twitter, or they were like Twitter uh, video artists, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like they did, yeah. They, their best. And stuff so you mentioned this, and then they, yeah. yeah, and they, 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 they came out with this video last week, and I was like, these guys are just like a, a breath of fresh air that we really needed. Like there are like some sketches on the past couple weeks that were great. And you get a sense that, like you said, Chris, some of my favorite sketches on Serenite Live were swayed a lot more towards kids in the hall and Monty Python. That's just mm -hmm. the way my humor is. Like, that's why I love Mr. Show. I mean, Mr. Show was the new incarnation of Monty Python, you know, where it's so absurd that, it doesn't make references to modern pop culture. It makes no references, and that's why it still holds up. I mean, there's still some Python stuff that is still so funny, like um, the hundred meter, hundred meter, hundred meter freestyle for non-swimmers, 
one of the funniest sketches of all time where they just <laughs> jump in the pool and they die. It's just like one of the funniest things ever. It's just like, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll cut back later when they're fishing out the bodies. It's like one of the funniest things ever. It's like a 10-second sketch. Um, you know, like when things are so absurd and these guys are kind of on that button and I just love that. And the whole show has that kind of vibe too. Like the whole, um, what do you call it? Uh, what was I going to say? Owen. Oh, say Owen, Owen Wilson. Yeah. Owen Wilson's, his whole show was absurd. And then they just been, you know what? Like say what you will about new music, but they've been banging out with the musical artists. I mean, yep. Ed Sheeran was great last week. I, mean, I was like. Call me a 14-year-old girl, but I was like, my God, this guy's, like, kicking some fucking ass up there. And then, like, you know, they had um, the girl I mentioned on the podcast a couple weeks ago with her Howard Stern interview when she was talking about um, playing with Soundgarden. Oh, what's her name? Oh, my God. Total brain fart. Oh, my God. Chris. Ah. Oh, I don't know. Holy shit. Wait. Brandy. Oh, Brandy Carlisle. Carlisle. Oh, she yeah. Was, sorry, I had a brain fart. So Brandy Carlisle, she was phenomenal. Like, they've just been, I don't know what's going on. They just got like a, a boost of energy. Maybe it's our critiquing, Chris. Did you ever think of that? It's us? Yeah, well, I know that, you know, we're getting, our viewership is just rising steadily. So, yeah. like, maybe, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. How about our listenership, like, though? Our listenership. I know people are, are viewing us, but are they hearing <laughs> But are they hearing They're just watching. It. Just, you you were listening to Jimmy Hendrix play. Are you hearing Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Bro. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I'm Chris. This is Ben. You can find all these episodes on the Onstage Blog podcast, onstageblog.com. We're also on YouTube, Twitter, all this fun stuff. So give us a follow. Give us a like on Facebook um, as well. Um, but Ben, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, bro. All right, folks. See you right here next week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment.